0: all you it listeners out there i just wanted to take a moment before the show to share with you our new sponsor we've been working with best Radio travel.com to bring the lowest hotel prices to our loyal listeners stay tuned during the upcoming show to hear more about how you can save 15 to 30 percent off your hotel rates awesome let's start the show
1: girlfriend here is your show Here are Patti Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com.
0: Hey, 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 hey. This is Patti Wyatt, host of Girlfriend It, soon to be What's My It? And we have a vibrant, brilliant guest on the show today, Bethany Jett. She's an author, speaker, and friend that I met nine years ago. Welcome, <laughs> Bethany. Thank you. And we I think we figured it out and maybe it wasn't nine years ago in Florida when Lisa and I were speaking at the women's conference. Was it seven years ago or nine years ago? I think it was seven, but it still feels like a long time. Well, a long time and yet a short time. It's like yeah. I feel like I, I, you know, just recently met you and then yet I feel like I've been friends with you forever. But thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh and you are the perfect guest to interrogate today because i want to chat about uh how we dive into our it our passion and and really shine with it um over the years i've had several conversations with so many individuals and you know that question comes up and i'm sure it does with you as well it's like how did you know what you were passionate about and Where do you know how to spend your time? And just all these questions of how do you really figure it out and refine it? So for the next hour, I want to unpack, like, how do we figure it out? How do we, you know, first dream it, believe in it, focus it, love it, live it, edit it, launch it, style it with you, you book it, (laughs) play it. And, and we can't forget you also have to wife it and mom it, right? So it's like all these things that we have to, you know, wear these, the, the several hats and yet know truly where we're going to focus it. So I just like to start on um, when you were younger, because when I look back, At a young age, I remember I would be with people who, you know, they knew, I'm going to be the senator, or I'm going to be a cop, or I'm going to be a lawyer, or a singer, or a dancer, whatever. And, you know, right now I'm reading a book where she's a young girl, and her parents want her to be a doctor, but her heart soars every time she puts on her ballet shoes. And I never really had that growing up. It was always that, oh, I'm average at everything I do, everything I touch, so you just kind of swim around going where where do I go? So did you know at a younger age that you were a good writer or how did that really come to? How did you develop that skill?
2: Well, I've always loved to read and I would write stuff, you know, make up stories. But I didn't want to be a writer. Like kind of how you were saying like if somebody asked me what I wanted to be, I probably would have said a lawyer or I would imagine myself, you know, in the suit and heels, you know, in a boardroom. I kind of saw that, but not really how I would get there. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> the, you know. And then when I was in college, I was um, a criminal justice major for a while and thought about going into either law or FBI, like profiling kinds of things, and I remember sitting in class. And the people around me were so much more intense than I was about it. And I thought, this is my competition, and I don't want it as bad as they do. You know, I thought, I want a family one day. So I really, I didn't know what I was going to be. It just, it took a lot of prayer, I think, after I got married. And I think five years in particular, thinking I was meant to do more than, and this sounds terrible, I have to preface I love being home with my kids. I will never trade it. But I just felt like there was something more I was supposed to do and just praying and praying for purpose. And it, God didn't answer me right away, which mm-hmm. he doesn't always.
0: No, and, and I think, too, like every, every next level of your life demands a different you. So we're always in that. State of prayer, going okay, God. I, I feel like I've reinvented myself on so many levels, so many <laughs> so many times, and I appreciate what you said about you're sitting there and there's these intense people sitting around you, and it really does shape who we are. And you know, you, we know our identity is in Christ, but we also know the minutes we're spending here on Earth um, becomes a little bit of of our identity. And I. I was in ministry, and I had several people would say, and a couple of pastors would even say to Lisa you know petty petties can be you know too funny or too too silly or just little comments and it it really hurt my feelings because I see myself at times I can be an intense strategist, but I like to have fun and it's it's funny if you go from this strategist to being humorous, people read you the wrong way. Does that make sense? Where it really has had an effect on me and how you show up.
2: Yeah, I agree. I
0: understand that completely. Yeah. And then you you so then you're really going, okay, I'm, I'm here in this realm, but I, I have to get more serious because these people are way too serious. <laughs> and just you know, you hear it over and over again, be you. Like show up show up as you because nobody else is going to be you, but you. And so what was your, your next step as you realized, okay, criminal justice, maybe not my path. Then what, what happened there?
2: I, after that, I was just working admin, you know, at a hospital and then got a job as a receptionist at, you know, the Christian college, um, which is actually where I met my husband. He was a student. I was, 18, and he was 19 when we met, and um, just not again, not sure. And then he went into youth ministry, which was a passion of mine at the time. I was still volunteering. Um, we called him sponsors with the youth group, and that was where my heart was. And so we were in youth ministry together for 10 years, and it was because of the youth ministry that I started the blog for our group of high school girls who were graduating. We had this gap um, of Uh, really lots of kids in high school who were seniors. And then we had kids coming in through middle school. So we had this two phases and as we were losing so many of these kids out of the program, that's why I started the blog was because I knew they weren't going to call me at midnight, you know, with questions or they're not going to talk to me about boys the way they did when we were in person each week. And Mm -hmm. and that is what turned into the first book, um, the Cinderella rule and went to a writer's conference. And it was at that conference that i felt like i felt like i knew what my purpose was it was the cinderella you know moment you know that it's like god opened like a bright colors and it was like this is what i had for you and and that was just the start of the whole writing journey everything leads back to that one conference because of those girls and that one message i wanted to get out to them
0: mm. and that that is exactly I mean it goes back to I think you and I have talked about this um, the experiencing God book yeah. where often we want him to write just put it on the wall let let me know because we really do want to show up the way God wants us to show up and and be what he wants us to be and yet what he wants is for us to just keep leaning into him and keep you know, praying for surrendering everything over to him. And so when we experience that moment, like you said, that message that you, you received, it's because you were actively already pursuing where Christ wanted you. And then, because have you noticed you'll ask women, Hey, can you help out over here? Can you do this? And they'll, they'll say, yeah, I need to pray about it, which is fine. I'm not knocking prayer, but, Sometimes we just have to step into it and be praying as we go along. And that's when it's It's almost like there's, there's women that are just paralyzed because they're not going to do anything because we've heard, you know, don't say yes, don't say yes, don't say yes. Um, But sometimes you just say yes to God and then it flows and you figure out your path. Have you noticed that?
2: So we call, like I, I was talking about this with my business partners and I said, so they were asking a question about a decision we had to make, and I don't even remember, you know, what it was. But I said, I was like, yes, I think we should do that. And they were kind of joking, like, oh, you don't need to pray about it. And I was like, no, I'm like, I have like a God gut feeling, but they've shortened that to God gut. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, like, I think sometimes, like, obviously, like you said, you want to pray about things, but. So if we're like constantly in communion and praying all the time with God, like pray without ceasing, sometimes when someone says something to you, you're just, you get this automatic Holy Spirit, like nudge and you're like, okay, yes, I know that this is probably what I can do. Yeah. Sometimes I need to pray about certain things, but a lot of times I think people use it as a cop out, honestly.
0: Yeah, and I, I would agree. And there are certain things that you go, no, I know that is not my gifted area, you know, where people are like, oh, you need to sacrifice for Jesus, where it's like, but I agree there are some things we, you know, we have to sacrifice, but there are also areas where he's given us this gift and this talent to use. You don't have to be the martyr. Like, I, I just remember when my kids were younger and I would go into, you know the two-year-old class or whatever at church, and I would be so miserable looking at the clock every single second. You go, okay, maybe this isn't the best use of my gifts and talents. Now, if they needed someone, then yes, you, you, know, you need to show up. But it's not like, oh, okay, I'm going to go be the two-year-old teacher. There's other areas that you can serve in. And that's, that's where, like you said, the, the God gut. I love that because we kind of know the path that he has us on and keep following that path. And then when people ask you, you're like, yeah, that goes right down what I was made for. That is exactly where I, I feel like my gifts and talents are. Well, now you have written this book, which is an amazing book. And they can find it on your site at BethanyJet.com. Um, and you yes. also, what was that? I was just saying yes. Oh yes, yes, yes. And then you have a new book that you just launched. And tell us about that. How did that morph into place? Which is just an amazing book, and you are co-author with Michelle. Tell us a little bit about what trans transpired there.
2: Um, so my best friend is um, Michelle Medlock-Adams, who is a best-selling children's author, and she has written several devotionals for women. And as um, a New York Times bestselling ghostwriter, she's just amazing. And um, so we have a company called Platinum Literary Services, and we got the name. We're both blonde, so, you know, we're, I was kind of playing off the Platinum name for that. But when I started digging into what Platinum is and the characteristics of it, it's phenomenal. Like, it's such an amazing medal. And so, so we built our company on the characteristics of platinum. And then one night at a writer's conference, she and I were both teaching, and we weren't rooming together that year. And it was 2 a.m., because we stay up so late at these things. And she's texting me um, an idea, because we had a meeting with an editor the next morning with our agent. And she said, what about platinum faith?" Just taking those same characteristics that we love so much about our business, but applying them to our faith journey, and I was like, "That's brilliant!" And um, what's even better is that we've identified twelve characteristics, which makes up twelve chapters. So that was like a, a win-win <laughs> <laughs> in terms of that, you know. So, um, you know, long story short, the editor that we had a terrible pitch session the next morning. It was—we talk about it being like the most embarrassing pitch moments of our lives. Like we totally botched it. Um, but we were able to meet with an editor at catalyst at the catalyst conference, just, um, by God's grace, honestly. And she loved it and pushed it forward through, um, Abingdon, which they're the publisher. And now we have this book called platinum faith about taking those characteristics and saying, okay, we're not perfect, but as we strive to be more like Jesus, here's 12 areas of faith we can work on.
0: And, what what I love about this book is exactly what you said. You know, we're not we're not perfect. It's so often people well, especially you and Michelle, you do see the platinum blondes. You see the beautiful, you know, women that, OK, everything they, they touch turns to platinum. You know, everything is basically turning to gold. And like you said, you know, you went in for a pitch session and it was completely botched. We don't hear those stories. We don't see that highlight, you know, real we, we we see all, well, I say highlight reel, you know, the low light reel, you see all the highlights in your Instagram, in your Facebook, on your website, and all of those irrational feelings in the narrative that you play in your head daily to get to that point where Abington publisher comes along and says, oh yeah, okay, we totally get it. So share with us a little bit about the those emotions that go into the Valley, because when we are discovering, you know, what we're made for, we, we are, our the, the most critical one. I think would be us. Wouldn't you say?
2: Absolutely. I think we're so self-critical about things that no one else sees. And I know for me, it, oftentimes it hinders me. Like I don't push forward on something because every objection that I could possibly think of that somebody could give me, I'm letting that stop me. I mean, I, I, I'm guilty of that daily. Yeah.
0: I'm working with, as a matter of fact, yesterday I was working and and coaching with um, an individual who also wants to be a coach. And um, next week I'm in Indiana and every day I'm just coaching hour after hour after hour. And I find myself just being an advocate for them, just saying, you can do this. And, and you know, I, I start out with, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> I feel like the Spice Girls. And then you are, are hearing their dream, you're hearing their goals, and then we strategize how to reach that. But their obstacles of how they want to achieve is usually... The obstacles is themselves because they'll say things like I don't have the time or I don't have the skill set or I don't have the education or, you know, it's just yeah. all these things that we put in the in the way where we really we believe in it. We don't believe in ourselves to know how do we really focus and within that focus, um, you know, make it happen. So I want to ask you how you're able to focus and get beyond those obstacles of hearing that negative narrative in your head. But I also want to talk about just quickly a few things that I think that are habits that truly have a good return in our life. And so I want to, I want to say them and then tell me which ones you actually do. Uh, Sleeping eight hours each day, I strongly believe in working out three times a week, a a week, like with weights, but then walking every day, like just getting that brisk walk in for your heart rate, Um, saving at least 10% of your income, as well as tithing, just going into, you know, scripture, Um, reading every day and drinking more water (laughs) And less of everything else. Um, and, and so I'm asking if you did that, but I realize, okay, I'm not sitting here saying, Bethany, do you tithe? Um, I did I didn't want to get personal on that. But those are just things that I feel like are strong habits to do. And one that I'm working on right now is leaving my phone in another room while I'm working. Like trying to cut out some hours to truly put my phone away so I can focus on what I need to get done. So what were your thoughts? when I read those
2: habits? Okay, so, so many of those are, like, my, like, hashtag goals. (laughs) (laughs) Like, in different seasons, like, especially getting started. So, like, we teach at writers' conferences a lot. Like, that's sort of the world that I'm in. And social media marketing is something I get a lot of pushback from authors on because they don't want to do the time or, you know, all the same excuses that you're probably getting with your coaching, you know, students. And, and sometimes I just think sometimes you have to just put your head down and you sacrifice certain things. Like there's seasons where you don't sleep eight hours because you've got to get something done. Um, like that was in the beginning, creating some of these companies, that was my life. It was just not a lot of sleep. So now, now fast forward, you know, five years, um, I'm trying to be better about self-care which is, I think it's put on the back burner. And so like um, exercising, like eating right, drinking more water. Um, Sleep was like my first thing that I wanted to tackle. And so I had to figure out how many hours of sleep I actually needed. And so I started using, I think it's a sleep app, but you can lay it on your bed while you sleep. And it tracks like these nano movements and tells you how much sleep you get. And so I figured out like, I need seven and a half hours. And so now that's become something that I try not to give on, even when I'm on deadline Although that gets pushed when you're on deadline sometimes, but I feel like sleep is one that I'm starting to conquer. And now like just making myself go to the gym, which is right by my house, um, is the next thing. <laughs> so, I think <laughs> it's in, I get a little bit addicted in like one area and I neglect the rest, you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that, that is my reading every day. I cheat and I do audio. Because when I get in the car, I'll throw on, you know, I just listen to it rather than actually reading it. So I, I, but I, I try to just continuously be reading every day. And the sleeping, I will go for a walk, try to work out more than I. Can on my sleep. I just feel that sleep is such an easy thing to just keep pushing into and pushing into. And especially when you travel, which I'm sure when you're doing your speaking conferences, when you're at a hotel, I get so wired and have such a fun time chatting with people and meeting with people that sleeping just seems so boring. And <laughs> <laughs> you can stay up and have fun. It's like, oh, and the whole time I'm thinking. I need to go to bed. I need to get back to my room. I need to like unplug here and go to sleep. And in the morning, you're going, not tonight. I am going to go to bed. I'm not going to stay up. And then you're wired again at night, even though you know how significant
2: it is. And so many times that these, I've traveled a lot this year, more so than I have in one calendar year in my whole life. Like it was a lot, but yeah, like on travel time, sometimes we have deadlines too. So, you know, you're up till, to 30, 3 o'clock in the morning, and you have to get up at six thirty because you have to teach at eight. So yeah,
0: yes, right. yes, yeah. And then the the three hour time zone. You're three hours. You're in Florida, mm-hmm. and like I'm leaving to go to Indiana on on Sunday. That whole three hour change really messes with you because it's hard to go to bed at seven o'clock at night when it's really 10 o'clock in India. (laughs) And then by the time I I get in the right time zone, it's time to come back and you're messed up again. So it's definitely hard to get the the sleep in. But I just want to challenge our listeners. Those are a few things as you're trying to discover, you know, your it and your, your passion. Like you said, that is definitely hashtag goals because um, we all know that it's really focusing and, and making that happen. And like I said, one of my goals, trying to get the phone and and not bring it in the room with me. I believe that, you know, focus is is a multiplier on your work. And we think we can multitask, but we know the research that's out there that saying, you know, it's sometimes up to seven minutes to go from looking at a text or your Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and then getting back into your focus, getting back on, on task. And it's, it's much more important to work on the right thing than it is to work, you know, many hours, wasting your time, just your time on stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, so once you've figured out what to do, like truly, prioritize and accomplish it quickly. And I have found that there are certain days and maybe you're just, your brain's fried. I'll sit down and I'll start going through emails and I'll go through a rabbit trail. Like I'll go, Oh, now who's this person again? And then I'll go look them up on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> I start going through a whole different social media, like thing. And it, It's just, I don't know how people do it daily. I mean, I know you are, you use social media with your marketing. Uh, How does that work for you with going down those rabbit trails?
2: I mean, I definitely, there are the rabbit trails. that I didn't used to love social media. I used, I just remember when I was transitioning, starting the businesses, I would use Facebook as my escape. And so social media became not something I had to do, but something that I got to do. And I really, I really am passionate about engagement. And so, and I feel like as, as writers and, you know, authors, or even people who have messages to share, you're a click away from your audience. And I really like to see what people respond to and, then, you know, how can I create more of that content? And then how can I learn from them? So it, it became the reward as a break instead of, like, the chore. Um, so that was that was an interesting transition looking back. I didn't realize it was happening at the time. But I like what you said about the phone. I've started turning my phone on Do Not Disturb probably for the last two or three weeks. Um, usually when the kids get home from school and um, at a certain time at night, it goes on Do Not Disturb because I get texts. Um, and I'm sure you're like this, too. People will text you at all times. Yeah. yeah. I get too people pleasing, like I struggle with like probably it excessively. And so if someone texts me and they need something, I feel this obligation to stop what I'm doing and go help or go do it. And I'm really trying to break myself of that. So that has been, that has been a a personal struggle I've been dealing with for the last little bit, but I think it's helping. I think it's helping (laughs) not feel so dependent upon the phone or other people's emergencies.
0: Yes, I agree. I definitely, when I get a message, I have an issue with that. I don't know if it's the people pleaser or we just are empathetic and we really do want to make sure that we're we're there for. And I had to do the same thing, just start turning my phone off. My husband keeps his phone on because for a while there it was difficult because when you have kids out, Mm -hmm. you want the phone on. And especially when I'm traveling i i really don't let everybody know what hotel just because you're not thinking of right. cuz you always have your cell phone so you're not thinking of oh i'm staying at this hotel or i'm in this city or and my husband and i laugh about it cuz i turn my phone off and he's like i really don't know where you are <laughs> so i have to get better at even letting him know you know what hotel so you end up keeping your phone on but once again when the Time change, you'll get a call at midnight, because it's only 9 o'clock Arizona time, and then it's hard to go back to sleep. So it's it's funny. We're way too accessible, I think, now. Like you said, you're just a click away, and it, it makes it difficult. I work with um, college girls, which I know you guys do so much, too, with the youth, and they have no concept of time. right. <laughs> So, so yeah, you, you have to get to a point where it's like, okay, do I, do I turn my phone off? But then you're not accessible for your own family. It's, it's crazy, crazy.
2: Well, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say like, um, we're, we love Apple at our house. (laughs) Like we're Apple people, but we love the do not disturb feature on there. But the one thing I wish they would do is allow texts from certain people only. And that way, you know, Justin or my kids could text me. And, but then I can leave it off for the rest of the time. Just like, you know, it allows phone calls from certain people, but not text. And I was like, that really would be helpful because my husband will, you know, text something and I'll miss it if it's off and he's not there. So it kind of like hurts that whole stay away from the phone for a while kind of thing.
0: Well, we need to figure out, I bet you there is an app that you can only get messages and phone calls from certain people. So if any of our listeners know that app, please let us know and uh, share that with us. Well, we're getting ready to go into a commercial break. And I just want to, um, I have a a quote here, but it looks like we're, we're getting ready to go in. So when we come back, we'll go ahead and talk about that quote. Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discounts you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash patty to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of our show through Toginet Radio. We have negotiated special rates of over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Patty. Sign up and enjoy the discounts. That is BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Patty.
1: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: When it comes to maintaining your present weight and keeping your heart healthy, 10,000 is the magic number. You need to take at least 10,000 steps a day. So clip on your pedometer and start walking. The average man takes 7,000 steps per day, while women take 5,000 steps. People walk more on workdays, weekdays, and the days they participated in sports and exercise. At the end of the day, check your pedometer and see how many steps you've taken. If you need more to reach your goal of 10,000, go for a walk or a run. Everything counts. Shopping, cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, walking to and from your car. It all needs to add up to the magic number of 10,000 steps per day. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at annettehammond.com
1: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com and now back to the show with your hosts patty and lisa
0: well welcome back we are chatting with bethany jett who's an author and a speaker and uh just a brilliant individual in all the things that she's doing in life and i i love um on during the break we were talking um with with bethany just how you're able to take so many things because as you are speaking and you're doing, especially, you know, speaking at conferences, how you're able to, you're also a ghostwriter. You have um, a whole organization with your best friend, Michelle, as you help people in your, um, Platinum. And I forget the, the other part of that name, Bethany.
2: Oh, um, Platinum Literary Services and, um, another company called Serious Writer. It's yes, yeah, serious writer. I you
0: mean, know, all these different legs that you're you're doing. And it's really when we talk about, you know, focus, because I feel that uh I'm out doing corporate training, plus I'm doing executive coaching, plus I love, love, love doing this podcast because I meet so many fabulous people. And you have to go, okay what do I want to spend my time on today? What is, you know, a lot of times you prioritize just uh, with what's next, you know, it's like, okay, this is tomorrow. So I've got to get this done today, or this is in the next hour. So I have to hit this deadline, but how did you start? Like at what point you said something earlier about how social media you were on there and it was kind of not a good thing for you. And now you're realizing, um, how much you appreciate it and enjoy it and it's actually, you know, helping your, your business and it's more re- rewards there. How did that, how did you take your first steps in either as you are editing or as you are building your website. I'm going to start with building the, the web website. Like, what are some of the first things? And I am just chatty, 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 because as I'm talking, I'm going, wait, I want to ask you this and this and this. But with this individual I was working with yesterday, and she was trying to put a website together. She's overwhelmed. She just, you feel like you've left, uh, like you, you didn't start Early enough, And now, like that train has or that airplane has sailed or whatever that saying is, it can be so overwhelming. Um, and it's just putting that grit in and taking one step at a time. So how did you take that one step? And how often do you go, oh, I just can't do this anymore?
2: Well, yesterday in my quiet time, I think I literally wrote down the words um, God remove something because it's too busy right now. (laughs) Yeah. I'm building to this and I need something to go. And, but I don't want to let anything go because I feel like it's all working towards my purpose. And that's the hard part, right? Like all of these are good things. So how do you let something, how do you let it go? So yeah, I'm always thinking there's too much going on and it feels overwhelming. I don't know. I don't know if that'll ever change for me. I know a lot of people at the conferences we teach at, they feel overwhelmed. Overwhelmed is the right word because if there's so much to do, particularly if you're wanting to get a book traditionally published or any of those kinds of things. So I kind of did things backwards. Um, I got an agent and a book deal before I had any kind of platform or, you know, the website. And I had to leave that. Conference and go home and figure it out because now I had interest, and I was like, I don't have a website, I don't have a social media presence except the 10 people that I know on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's not gonna cut it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so Google is your best friend. I, I tell everybody, you become a student of Google and you go to the University of YouTube, and there is a video for everything. So, I spent a lot of hours just you know, dual screening. You know how to set up a website and finding someone who knew how to do it, and then just taking the step by steps. Um, Michael Hyatt is—he was a former CEO of Thomas Nelson, which is a huge publishing house—and he really is great about helping beginning authors and writers get started. And he had a blog. Called how to set up um, a self-hosted WordPress in 20 minutes, and so I came home from the writers' conference and told my husband, I was like, listen, I have to do all this stuff, and um, I was like, so like I don't care if you guys do pizza every meal, like over the weekend, but I'm just gonna shut myself in here. And he was like, fine. So I just had to figure it out, and I think I think that's where the grit comes from a little bit is just saying I don't know how to do this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna figure it out one way or the other. And then I think two is give yourself grace because um i've been saying lately done is better than none and so at least having a site up is better than having it perfect and i i think sometimes that stops us from in the process
0: and uh, done is better than none boy that that is a great saying and also perfection i i think you have to walk away from realizing everything is going to be perfect. And one thing I absolutely love about your website, Bethany, is you have, uh, you have pictures of like you and your husband when you got married and it doesn't matter that they're not this high definition, professional, commercialized, it's you. And that's what makes it real. And I think we need to even get back to that. Like, it's okay. This is me rather than it paralyzes people where they're like, Oh, I'm just not even, I can't move forward because it doesn't look like, you know, a dove commercial or something. Did you find that that has changed like how you show up and how you put things on where you feel like, Oh, it has to be so professionally done.
2: Yeah. I think self-deprecation is, is a uh, like the number one thing in your tool belt. Like if, if people don't think you're real, they're not going to like you. And then they're not going to like anything that you do or you say. And they're definitely then, you know, further down the line, they're not going to buy your book or your course or work with you or whatever it is. Um I always say people want to work with people that they like. And so the more real you can be in, of course, in professional settings, you know, you put on your professional demeanor, right? best foot forward, that kind of thing. But um, particularly on social media, I've been doing a lot of testing on what kind of content works with my audience. And so my Instagram feed kind of looks like a hot mess to me, like when I scroll down. But I'm paying attention to, you know, where do people comment? Are they tagging someone on the photo? Because that's a win for me, even if the picture isn't great. And that goes against what a lot of people will talk about in terms of social media. But I'm kind of more interested in the content engagement part of that. And it's not perfect. But you know what? Have, like, do you ever have people tell you, like, um, or they'll say it about you and you'll hear about it later, Lena? Like, oh, your life is so perfect. Just going straight back to what we talked about at the beginning. Like, oh, you know, everything is, you know, rainbows and unicorns. And um, that's probably one thing that I hate people saying to me the most. Like, because I'm like, I try to really be raw and real. And, like, yesterday on Facebook, I posted this specific thing. Like, I spilled coffee on myself trying to shut the sliding glass door. I have three steps that lead from the den to the kitchen and I fell up the steps. Like, how does that happen? Like, I, don't I totally not <laughs> my Totally. And like, and then something else happened that day. And I was like, look, this is the reality. <laughs> like it's, it's great to be on stage and do these things, but I try to make sure people see the other side of stuff too.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I just on a side note of that, um, one time Lisa and I were speaking at a, a woman's retreat and she was carrying her notes in one hand and her beverage in the other hand. I don't know how, what she tripped on, but she tripped and she didn't have her hands to really stop her fall. She went like a face plant straight down onto the stage. And that, <laughs> that face plant... Everybody. I mean, it was it was one of those like we could not stop talking about it for three days. That's all we could talk about. Was just oh, like how extreme it was. But it was funny how much it connected. Us to the entire audience and I I kept rubbing it in like thank you so much for taking that plunge because we're really connected now that we're it's okay. We really are the Yahoos. We aren't these, you know, perfect women by far. Yeah. And I mean, she hurt herself and her knee was swollen and we just oh, it's just funny how when you can show the imperfection in your life, what a connection it is.
2: Yes. I completely, I completely agree. And I like people when they are, you know, raw like that, where they can, you know, say when they made a mistake, because then it's like, okay, we could be friends, you know? And that's how I want people to feel about me when I'm writing or when I'm speaking. Like, you know, we can hang out together. Like, just because, just because God's moved me into this position where sometimes, like, I'm up front, it doesn't mean that life is great. Usually it gets harder. I think sometimes there's, some spiritual warfare that comes along, no matter what you're doing, not just being up front, any kind of work that you're doing for God. And so, you know, try not to hide all of that, but just being real with it.
0: Absolutely. The spiritual warfare, um, you have to be saturated in Jesus or it can really beat you up. Like you said, no matter what you're doing. Uh, just showing up and and being having that mindset of being grateful and truly being still and and listening to where God wants you. And before we went on to the commercial break, I said I wanted to talk about this quote, and then completely got sidetracked. So uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, I love some of her her quotes, but this one is: "The future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams, and then take action to make them come true." and Often I will hear people talking about, you know, their dreams of, yeah. do you remember when that book, The Secret, came out? I do. By any chance. And um, not not a big advocate of that book. I feel, I, I get that there were certain things, but it was, it. I don't know, it just had this new age feel mm-hmm. to it. And I, I remember, you know, some of my strong Christian friends were loving this book and they were making the... The um, storyboards of you know visualizing, which is all good, I'm not knocking that, uh, but once again, just hands open wide, giving it over, you know, to God. Uh, but going back to doing those, you know, the visualization, I, I think that's important. Um, you spend time on, on creating, you know, the, the dream, but. It doesn't work unless you are ready to put the action to it. Like if you cannot achieve that goal, if we just keep visualizing it and dreaming it and talking about it, Lisa makes me laugh because she always says, I feel like if I talk about it enough, and I have this great idea, then it's actually happening. <laughs> it's so true. It's like, wait, I've been talking about this for a long time. How come it's not in place yet? And, you know, it's like we could sit there, even if you're talking about, you know, remodeling a bedroom or, you know, painting a bedroom. It's like, wait, how come this has not been repainted yet? I have had this vision and this dream forever. But we have to become, you know, that that action. We have to actually believe it to the point that you're putting and launching it. Uh, so do you have like two to three key things that helps you go from the visualization part of it to actually saying, all right, now I I have the tools in place and I'm actually going to, uh, you know, make it happen. And one thing you said, you told your husband, I don't care if you eat pizza every night. I love that. It's like, I've got to just sit here and focus because Often it's hard when you're just doing an hour here, you know, and then you have to wait a week and then you're now putting another hour in. So sometimes you have to truly take that chunk out and make it happen. But also how do you do it when you still have a full-time job, but you're trying to do this passion on the side? Are are there any tips there in putting the action into place?
2: Yeah. These last couple of years have been super crazy, Um, like just getting the company is going and then um, writing. I mean, we have two books releasing this like Platinum Faith and then we have They Call Me Mom, which releases on November 19th and and trying to get that done. And I'm finishing my master's program and my husband's been deploying because he's in the military. So it's been psychotic. So the only way that I've been able to kind of try to handle things is I um, I look at the week first like you have your monthly view on your calendar, but I really try to do like, how can I batch work this week? And then I break it down, like what needs to get done today. And that's really been helpful to not feel like everything has to get done in this moment, even though things keep, you know, getting added onto the calendar. (laughs) It's like trying to be able to say, okay, I'm not going to, and then telling people no, or even trying, even pushing them off a little bit, Um, because they've got a project that they want to get done or needs to get done. And for them, it's a priority. But um, I really love Brendan Burchard, who's a, a New York Times bestselling author. He does Experts Academy. He's got a ton of great free content. And in one of his trainings, he talked about when someone emails him and asks him to do something, he'll respond back, like, what's the fire deadline? Like, when is the absolute you have to have this or you're in trouble? And typically, it's not an emergency usually it's a week or two away and so I'm trying to practice that too like when do you actually need this so that I can fit it into the schedule so that's been helpful I'm mm-hmm. a procrastinator like every single class that I've taken for this master's I've done the assignments within whatever block of hours before the deadline and I my goal was always to do it at the beginning of the week and it never happened so I do like I'm, I guess I haven't learned my lesson in terms of time management <laughs> very well but yeah um but knowing that you have it and blocking the time off is an important thing. And I think getting your family um, involved to where they support what you're doing. And one thing I will tell you, I have had to release myself from mom guilt. Like, I don't need to be the person who switches the clothes from the washer to the dryer. So we say things, I use the term, you know, mommy's hands. Like, do does mommy's hands need to wash the dishes? Or can your hands wash the dishes, you know? mommy's hands needs to be doing this, like checking email or something for the business. Cause I'm, you know, trying to show my kids because I work from home, you know, it's not always a nine to five job. It's interruptions and picking up kids and having to do stuff when they get here and then trying to teach them that responsibility for the house too. But it's, you know, I, I feel like a good mom when I'm the one cleaning the kitchen and doing the laundry. I feel like I've done something, you know, domestic for them. And I've had to kind of release myself from that a little bit by getting them to do things. <laughs> I like that.
0: Mommy's hands it doesn't always have to be mommy's hands. Yeah, sure. it, it's funny too because um, I I have my youngest is in college now, and she called the other day because she was coming over, and she said, um, "I'm just gonna go ahead and just leave my laundry there." And I, <laughs> what she was really saying is, "Can you can you please do my laundry?" But <laughs> I I said, "Oh." Okay so are you just leaving it in the laundry room she goes well i was just thinking that you know maybe you could just put it in the dryer <laughs> and I thought, okay, you can just say, Mom, can I have your help? But instead, we were, you know, tiptoeing around this whole thing of will you please do my, my laundry? And as a mom, you want them to grow up and take responsibility, but yet it's just so easy to want to help them out in every way um possible. But that's the crazy part in the time management that often you might be okay managing your time it's managing everybody else's time so what's the fire deadline is is great because your kids you you don't know what their fire deadline is until they're in your face and it's always a fire deadline with them yes. have you noticed that
2: yeah yesterday it's um 7 and my fifth grader says I need fishing line for tomorrow and I'm like fishing line I'm like what like First of all, I don't have fishing line on hand. Why don't I have a paper? I always say that. Where's the paper about it? Like from the school or the teacher? Yes. (laughs) And I was like, and I think he may have said it around like six o'clock maybe, because I remember saying to him, that's something you're going to have to talk to your dad about. Because I thought, uh, again, I guess I'm pushing delegating, but I thought uh, for the rest of today, I don't have time to go get fishing line, but maybe (laughs) you should have told us like a day ago or yesterday, you know, like... Trying to have them learn some natural consequences too, but that's hard. It's hard to yeah. fix things for them. He did not get the fishing line though. I don't think Justin went to Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, that was mine. The whole laundry
0: conversation that was last night was my youngest, but it was at nine twenty at night yeah. and I, I was already in bed and I had pumpkins here and her and her boyfriend wanted to come carve pumpkins so she was leaving her dorm to come here to grab pumpkins, to carve them, and watch some movie that we had here. And, you know, it didn't happen because I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we need to plan that out. You guys aren't starting noisy things in the house at night 30 at night but it's just funny how their crises becomes your crises and you want to be the fun mom and yet on the other hand you have to have those those boundaries uh especially when it gets into time management but the the procrastination I do want to talk about that what I have found like you said when you have like a big goal or a big project that you're working on and here you are you know with your master's program and and you have all intentions of getting that paper or that assignment done. My my issue is I will pour so much brain energy into what I have to do because you're thinking about it all the time. So you do this loop in your head as you're coming up with the ideas. And if you just sit down and start working on it. And, and I think you, you've told me in our, our last, well, you were interviewing me and you were saying, I just start writing and then you can go back and start cleaning it up and editing. But I I don't feel like I'm a perfectionist, but I find I want it to be done so well that I spend way too much time thinking about it, time thinking about it, rather than just start writing and start preparing for it.
2: Oh, I find that I, I understand that so much. Like the amount of time that I've spent thinking about it, it's perfect. If I had just yes. if I spent it and it's done right in my mind. Oh, yeah. But if I had taken half of that time and actually put something on the paper, I would be further ahead. <laughs> yes. Cause then what, what trans,
0: what's the word I'm looking for? What, what uh, transforms in your mind? And then when you try to, put it on paper. It's not as transformational. (laughs) It's like, how come this was so much better in my brain? And now that I'm putting it on paper, it's not flowing, uh, you know, as well, or I'm not as prepared to go present this as I thought I was, you know, I'll go on a hike and do an entire message and go to write it up and go, oh, that does not flow well at all. So it's just, it's funny how it really does, you have to keep working and be patient and write down everything. On one hand, I'm saying make sure that your phone is in another room, especially (laughs) when you do go to bed or turn it off. But on the other hand, it's a great way to dictate in your phone. Um, Do you find either writing it down as you have thoughts when you're laying in bed? What is your tip for that? Do you... Do you dictate in the phone, or do you jot it down on a piece of paper?
2: I think probably either one of those would be better than what I do, which is, (laughs) I'll just remember this.
0: (laughs) Yes, I do that as well.
2: Yeah, I have to write it, though. I I never go back and listen to my stuff, and so I kind of learned that the hard way. So I I use the Notes app on my iPhone all the time. It's probably my favorite app to use, and I'll just make little notes in there and, and then it's on my computer and it syncs and, and so I can do that. I can do it that way. I've also found the reverse of this to be true, where I will think about a project or a task so long that it becomes overwhelming. But then when I finally get up the nerve to just do it, it takes five minutes. And I've spent so much time stressing over it, but the actual doing time was so low. And like, I don't know why my mom does the same thing. We talk about it all the time. Like, it felt so big, and yet it took 10 minutes. <laughs> it could have been done a long time ago.
0: I, I agree. And, and I, like you said, I've done the same thing all the way since college. I would have a, a test or an exam and all intentions to go study for it, and I would sit in the hallway, start chatting with you know your other people in the dorm, and then you're up to midnight and you're stressing about it the whole entire time, and all you had to do was read a couple chapters and you would have been done.
2: Right, right.
0: But but you're going to talk about it, tell people about it, stress about it. And sometimes you don't do it. You just, it's too overwhelming. So it paralyzes you and you just don't, don't get it done. Okay. I want to go back. We have two minutes, Bethany, before um, our show is over. Once again, I just... Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate you so much for being on the show. And some of the things that we covered today on habits that help us with a high rate of return in life is getting that sleep, even though we both admitted to not doing it. (laughs) uh, Getting that workout in just for your own um, health in in moving forward. uh, Saving money, tithing, reading every day, drinking more water, and leaving your phone in another room while you work or somehow get a chunk of time. What are some other tips uh that you want our listeners to walk away with and also where can they go find you and your new book? Oh yay.
2: Um I guess my big tip is I'm um super addicted to planners. Like right now I'm totally into the happy planner. And I have found that even just kind of playing around with stickers in the planner has been a nice use of just uh, white space and quiet time for me where I just get to think. And I've also noticed that writing stuff down. So even with tasks, if it doesn't make it into my calendar, often I don't do it because I forget about it. And so I think that's that's one takeaway I would encourage people is just make your lists, no matter whichever way it works for you. Um, always forget. Uh, what you're doing. So that's been a a big help um, for me. Um, And Mm -hmm. then, um, well, I'm very excited about um, the Platinum Faith book that just released, and uh, PlatinumFaith.com is where you can go and get the first chapter and the introduction for free. We've got that available as a PDF. And then we have an online um, virtual summit um, coming up in November, and you are one of our special guests. And I had a great time interviewing you for that. And we've got um, 11 women of faith that we've interviewed and just amazing testimonies and such encouragement and inspiration. So. Okay.